Good morning, everybody. I don't like big podiums. I like little ones, and I can see you and move. So my husband comes down the stairs this morning, and he goes, babe, can, can you just prepare me? Do, are any of, am I in any of your stories this morning? <laughs> he was like, so I laughed. Maybe. How good have you been to me lately, baby? <laughs> no. All right. I am Nicole Cool. I have been here at this church since the beginning. I moved with Pastor Doug and Cindy from Greenville, South Carolina, to start this church. I was a campus minister on the University of Richmond and VCU. And so I have seen this church through many, 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 or have been a part of many transitions and seen it go through amazing stages. Um, I have a passion for this body. I have skin in the game. Um, And it is a privilege to stand before you. I love this house. We are a gatekeeping church in the city. It do, I don't care how small it is. We are a gatekeeping, powerful church. And um, I look across the faces, and I know stories, and I know seasons, and I, I see who you are, and it's just, wow, it's beautiful. All right, so are you ready to strap on the seatbelts and come with me? All right. So prophets live out the message that God is speaking into the earth. And the message that God has allowed my husband and I to live through in the last few years is pretty amazing. And this message that I'm speaking today, I have never been more convinced in my life. I've been doing this for 22 years. I've never been more convinced that the message that I'm speaking today is a message that is fully aligned with God in his timing for now. Never. Um, and this message, and it's funny because I walk into church this morning and, you know, the prayer warriors are standing up front here praying. And they're all hearing the same thing. You know, it's everybody's totally in alignment. It's alignment. The body is our body. The leaders, the gatekeepers, we're in alignment with what God is saying and doing. And um, this message is about transition. We are going. We're not about to go. We are in the middle of transition. And usually in Usually when I go to different bodies, I, God gives me a specific word for a specific church. I go, then I speak that word. Not so with this message. God has told me to speak this message every place I go. So I've spoken it at conferences. I've spoken it at our school of ministry, bits and pieces, the, the, the quick books version, shortened version. But you're going to get the message if I do have enough time. I do. And... It is a, um, it's basically that what God is saying is to the broader body of Christ that we are a part of, to the global body of Christ. So praise God, we welcome you from Africa. You're a part of our message. You know, we, all the nations that are sitting here, no matter what age group, no matter what, you're part of this message. So um, we're in a season of great transition, and I am here to help prepare you for this transition, okay? And I just want to warn, I, I want to warn you against familiarity, not with me, but 
with sometimes when God speaks something, then you hear it again from somebody else, and initially you're excited, but then God speaks it again and again and again, finally you're like, okay, I've heard that before. And you, even in this house, we've had messages, up to my knowledge, on the last few years on transition. So when Vikay, like, <laughs> when Vikay said, what do you want to speak on? I didn't want to tell you I'm speaking on transition, because most likely some of you won't even come, because, oh, I've heard that message. And God really arrested me with the fear of the Lord recently when, so the, the title of my message is 1111. That's, that's the title, 1111. And for the last probably three years, I have been seeing the numbers 1111 everywhere. On my clock, on my GPS, on my time, on my phone, on my, it's 11, 11, 11, 11. And initially, when he first started speaking to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, God, you're saying something. Yeah, 11, ah, cool, 11, 11. And there was no fear of the Lord on me. There was no, like, there, there was like, I started getting a little bit into it. My mom's here, and she's going to smack my little hands for saying like all the time. It's like, stop saying like, 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 like a teenager. I'm like, okay. So anyway, so I can hear her in the back of my head. But um, so I, I, I knew more or less what God was saying. He gave me this great scripture. This is about two years ago, two, three years ago. And so the more I saw it, the more familiar I became with it. And I, it stopped losing its, it stopped losing the grace for me. It stopped losing the grace that was contained in the promise. I did not engage by my faith the grace that was contained in the promise to actually pull the promise and make it manifest. So, saints, because you are saints, that's what the Word of God calls you. Please, I'm asking, mix your faith with what I'm about to tell you. In the word, it speaks about because they did not mix their faith with the promises that were given, it profited them nothing. In other words, it would be a waste of your time for you to be sitting here listening to me if you're not going to say, I'm expect in your heart, God, I'm expectant that you are speaking and I'm going to reach out my faith and I'm going to grab a hold of the promises that you're giving to me, right? So, just to draw, just to really bring this point home, Hebrews, Hebrews 4 verse 2. This is the New International Version. All right. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, in this version is something so key. If you really have faith for something, then you obey it. Your faith is shown by your obedience to it. You know, people say, I oh, know, faith without works is dead. And God, you know, in the word it speaks about, you know, you say that, you know, faith, basically, faith without works is dead. Let's just put a stake in the ground. I want to, the message version, it says, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. 
And then the last one is, indeed, the gospel or the good news of the promise was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith by those who heard it. So it's like the baking of the cake. You put baking soda, you put eggs, you put flour, you put whatever. If you don't put the rising elements in it, that cake is not going to bake. You, pull, you, you can set the temperature. The circumstances of life will set your temperature. You can be in the fire, and you can still not rise. And you can be in the fire, and you can rise. And two people can be put in the same fire, and one will be burnt, and the other one will have the bondages burnt off their hands. Shadrach, Mesh, and Abednego, they, walk, they go into the hottest fire that they possibly can. And the only thing that happened to them was what? The ropes that were around their hands got burnt off. So you can come into the same fire as somebody standing right next to you, and they are completely incinerated by the heat of it. Or you can mix faith with God's promise. He's promises to you for this season. And when the fire comes, because it will come, the fire comes, transition comes. How many of you have been through any transition and the fire has come? It's the loss of a job, the, the death of a loved one, transitions as simple as renovation of a kitchen. You think it's going to last three weeks, it lasts three months, your budget goes out of control. You know, there, there's fire in the transition. God wants you to have the God kind of faith, which is faith in God. Not faith in yourself. Faith in God. All right. Romans 10.17, this is some some Bible basics here. Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, all right? Everybody has a measure of faith. God is not a respecter of man. Everyone has a measure of faith. Everybody has access to the just shall live by faith. If you have promises and things that you know God has given you or God is calling you into, it's like contained within God's promises is the very grace needed for you to obtain and walk into your inheritance. All right, so before I go into this amazing testimony is Mark 10 verse 15. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So today, as I share this incredible testimony for you, I want you to enter into it like a little child, which means have childlike faith. Father, whatever you did for us, you can do for me. You're not a respecter of persons. You, the same overcoming, amazing ability for us to access what we are believing for is contained within your promises mixed with my faith 
and I see them come to pass. All right, so 11.11. So, you know, I'd seen 11.11 everywhere. And I go to Boston three weeks ago at the end of summer with my, with my mom and my kids and I. So my dad's not with us. And I'm in my house in the south side, and I type in on my GPS my mom's address. And arrival time is 11.11 a.m. So I, so I started laughing to myself. I'm like, I think I even showed my mom. I'm like, oh, no, 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 she wasn't with me. I was like, oh, my gosh, look, kids, it's 11.11, ha, ha, ha. So we get, we get to my mom's house. <clears throat> we start our road to Boston. Um, we get our sort of last stop, and I'm going into details for a reason. Bear with me. We get to our last stop before we get to Boston, and it, I have to put in gas. I take my card out, and I put it into the gas machine, and it won't take, my, it won't take any of my cards, and I'm like, I just used my card just down the road. So then we go, I'm like, okay, well, I go to the next gas station. This guy, this guy comes out of the teller place. This is now, it's late at night. It's like about 10 at night. He comes out. And he's in this accent, and he goes, hey. And now it's dark. I'm with my mom and my kids, and we're in the middle of the boonies. And this guy comes out, and he goes, hey, i help you later. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want your help. <laughs> you know, and he goes, but maybe when I'm finished my tea. He's like drinking a tea. And I, I look at him. I don't, do you remember this? I look at him, and I... I start laughing. I'm like, this is so, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. This is so bizarre. And so I look at him and I'm like trying not to laugh. And I say, um, do you know when that would be? He goes, maybe five, maybe 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, no. So we, I get back in, go to, go to the, the next gas station. This is all in the middle of the boonies. Takes my card. We put in gas. I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. Anyway, um, once, actually one stop before that, we, so in my mindset, I'm thinking, we're going to stop somewhere along the way. So I've told the people that we're going to, it was the Rileys, to Jen and Steve Riley, they were part of our body. I was like, um, you know, if, we, if I'm too tired, I'm not going to come, and I will stop at an Airbnb, and we'll just make it. I'd rather be safe, you know, than stupid. So um, I said, so let's just play it by ear. If I get there tonight, great. If I get there tomorrow morning, great. No, that's fine. All right. So we start driving, but now it's later in the evening. It's around 7, 8 o'clock. I'm getting tired, you know, I'm like, yeah, it would be good to stop, and so we, we, we pull into this place, and all I see are, so this was a little, it was a little town in the middle of nowhere, it was just past New York, and we drive in, and all I see are Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Jaguars, and, and I, I'm, now my family's, you know, in the car, and I'm looking around going, and I, I wanted to go, there was a seafood restaurant, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're probably not going to go to a seafood restaurant with all these cars here, you know. So then, so then there's little, I don't want to, you know, use all our money on the first night before we even get to Boston type thing. So we, we go, there's a little coffee shop, a little sort of row of coffee shops. So I say to my mom, let's go to this coffee shop, you know. It, it, it'll be a much more exciting place than the seafood restaurant. My mom's looking at the cars going, okay. So we walk, we walk into the coffee shop and we sit down and we pull out the menus. Now we're all excited. We're going to get food. And like the, the grilled cheese was like 25 bucks or something. You know, that's the cheapest thing on the menu is 25 bucks and it's grilled cheese type thing. And so I look at my mom. Now, normally we're not like this, but this time we were. I look at my mom. I'm like, um, 
yeah, we're not going to eat here. So the waiter comes across and he says, I said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to eat here. And he's, he was like an angel. He said, it's okay. He was like, just down the road, there's a store just like ours, and it's much less expensive. You know, and he was so kind about it. He wasn't snobby or uppity or anything. He was just super kind about it. And so I was like, thank you so much. We stand up, we walk out. I don't care. I just don't even care about that situation. So some people be like, oh, my God, how did you do that? Easy, I did it. So we walk up. But now this time we learned our lesson. We get to the restaurant, and we look at the menu before we sit down. And much less expensive was maybe instead of $25 for a cheese sandwich, it was $23.50 for a cheese sandwich. So then we, we look around, and there's a grocery store. And so my mom's like, how about we just go to the grocery store? It's just like a U-Crops, you know, get yourself some sushi and this and that and this and that. So I'm going into all this for detail, for, for a purpose. I'm not bunny hopping. So we go into the – we choose our food. I mean, I literally had a thing of avocado, like guacamole and chips and some cheese. That was what I got. My kids got some sushi, and it wasn't, you know, supposed to be very expensive. We get to the till, it's over $100. We could have had that freaking cheese sandwich the first time we sat down. Anyway, so we sit outside, and we're, we're sitting outside, and you know when it's moments in time that crystallize in your mind, it's almost like, like God comes and just breathes away spirit atmosphere, and you think to yourself, I remember this moment for the rest of my life. Have you ever had moments like that? That happens to me every now and again. So we sit outside, and it was the most beautiful evening. I mean, the weather was perfect. The place was so beautiful. It was like God just kissed us and said, this is exactly where I wanted you, and I just love you, and I love that you're here. We had such a great little picnic. It's the most expensive picnic I've ever had, and we, we made certain we enjoyed every bite. Get back in the car, but now I'm starting to look for Airbnbs because I'm tired. And I started looking, and for some reason, I couldn't find where I was. I didn't know where I was on the map. And I, in that moment, and again, everything lines up. In that moment, I couldn't figure out where I was. I couldn't even look for a flippin' Airbnb. I was like, where am I? What are I? So, so then began, I thought, okay, it's three hours between now and the Riley House in Boston. So the whole time I'm driving, can I just make three hours? Should we stop? Can I make three hours? So now, okay, now it's two hours. Should we stop? Can I make two hours? All right. Well, and now, my, you know, my mom is there, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, mom. And, you know, and finally, it's like, we're going to gun for it. So we stop at that gas station, three different gas stations, finally get gas in the thing. And I finally get back into the car, type in, uh, you know, the Riley's address, arrival time in Boston, 11, 11 p.m., You cannot make that up. So I'm going to read you Deuteronomy 11.10 going into Deuteronomy 11.11. While they're calling it up, God speaks through numbers. He speaks through colors. His voice is evident in creation. His presence, his his manifested characteristics. He can use a donkey, and he can use me. But numerology, biblical numerology, the number 11 stands for disorganization and chaos. 
last, last week in Children's Church, we, we studied numbers, and my little Connor over there, he was number 11. He was very excited. And in fact, before we did the numbers, he said to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, can I please be number 11? And what happened was, as I went around, I got to him, I'm like, Connor, you're number 11. He's like, yes! And then he heard number 11 was chaos and disorder, and he was like, oh, great. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so number 11 is chaos and disorder. And how many people know, again, that concept of when you're moving from one season into the next, how many times we go through chaos and disorder trying to get to the next season? It feels like your wheels are spinning or your roots are up in the air and you're not quite rooted in or you're not quite certain of what's going on. But you know whether it's job-wise or house-wise or it's, it's, you know you're not quite planted where you're supposed to be planted. And even geographically, it's like sometimes you're like you're wanting to, do I move? Do I stay? Do I go? You know, do I stay or do I go now? And, um, and so what happens is that there's this divine transitioning period of 11, right? So 11, 11. This is 11, 10. Yes. But I want you to see, can I have one at a time, please? Because I want to see the shift. I want just Deuteronomy 11, 10 on there, please. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. All right. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come from, where you have sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. All right. So this is the land of Egypt the slaves had come out of. And everything that they got to eat, they toiled for. Everything from God's hand they worked for. It was hard work. It was laborious. It was, you will get it by the sweat of your brow. It's difficult. It's painful. All right, then transition from verse 10. I want you to see the shift that happens between verse 10 and verse 11. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. About two years ago, my father-in-law passed away, and he left us a house. This house has been such a representation of this entire message. The house started off in not a very good state. It was just very run down and not a very good state. So we had to literally gut the entire house. Now, Greg and I, we did this all by ourselves, only towards the end we got, you know, we got helpers and, and con uh, one little contracting guy in. But um, it took us months and months and months. And through the process of this house, there was a lot of chaos and disorganization. There was like, there were moments where all I could do, honestly, was say, God help. I don't even know what my next step is. God just help. But I truly, in those moments, I'm like, I knew in my heart, I'm like, I know you hear me. I know I'm not saying that out of, uh, you know, I, I know that you hear my prayers and we need help. There were times my parents would say to me, what's going on with the house? And I would just say, don't even ask. I just don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But slowly but surely things came around. And, and then there came a time when um, we, 
we got this little handyman in. He was just such an angel with wing, without wings. He was amazing. But we bought, the, we bought the floor, and the guy who, who we bought the flooring from had originally said that he would do the labor for the floor. So we had budgeted everything. Everything was on budget, on cue. And then all of a sudden, his business got really busy, and he couldn't do, um, he couldn't do the labor. And so here now we have all this flooring with no labor to do the work for the house, for the whole house. And so once again, I was just like, oh, God, what do we do? And this is when this whole 11, 11, God said, I'm taking you from Egypt where you had to toil and sweat and everything comes by toil. I'm taking you from that into your inheritance. This is an inheritance word. Into your inheritance where I rain down from heaven. So I was like, okay, Father. He said, I want you to start proclaiming over this house, 1111. When you think about the house, when you think about, no matter how hopeless you think you start saying 1111. So I did. I was like, 1111. 1111, kingdom like a child, remember? 1111, different situations, 1111. Greg's dad's brother passes away, leaves us an inheritance, $5,000, the number for grace. We take that money, we pay for the labor of the floors, we buy the fixtures, so that now, now the house is ready, the house is ready. We put the house on the market, it goes into a bidding war. The highest number is $5,000 more than the asking price. God was speaking through the house on, I am pouring out grace for provision for you to enter into your inheritance. And in here, instead of the toil and the sweat, it is, it is us coming into the things of God, but it's by grace through faith. And there was one of our prayer warriors up front. He goes, you know, there's so many people that also they don't feel like they're worthy or that they've messed up or they've missed it. And they don't feel worthy enough to really access things just by grace through faith for the inheritance. So I want to speak into that is that Jesus paid the price you know what grace means? Grace is an enablement that when we have shortcomings, it enables us to acquire the promises. It enables us to access what God has given us. All right, I'm going to do something fun. I want everybody to stand up, please. The one thing that keeps us out is unbelief. We've all been given a measure of faith. So it's not about faith. It's about unbelief. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in just repentance from unbelief. You know how even that man in the New Testament said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. In other words, there's the seed is in there. I know what you're saying is true, but I just need. So first of all, I'm going to ask you, what are the things 
that you know God, I want you to think about what are the things you know God has called you into or has spoken to you about whether it's your destiny, whether it's something that he wants to provide for you, whether it's something that he wants to do for your family, it's the legacy that you're leaving behind. It's like, what inheritance word, first of all, does God want to give you for you and your family? So I want you to close your eyes. And I'm gonna, we're just going to pray first, and then we're going to break off unbelief. So it's, Father, what is the inheritance word? What do you want to give me, Father? What do I have access into by grace through faith that you are putting that seed in my heart? There's nothing too big or too small for God. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer where we break agreement with things like unbelief, discouragement. The Word of God says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So where you've hoped for something, hope for something, hope for something, and it doesn't come to pass, there's, your heart can get sick. And sometimes in that sickness... You, you cannot believe. Like there's something in you that just, it's, it's that unbelief. It literally, hope deferred makes a sick heart which invites unbelief in. So just quietly by yourself, but I'm going to lead you in the prayer. Say, Father, thank you that you can give me a brand new heart. I ask you to take down my walls around my heart. Right now, I break agreement with a spirit of unbelief. I break agreement with discouragement and hopelessness and despair. 
And in Jesus' name, I reject and renounce those things. And I see you, Holy Spirit, wrapping yourself around me in between me and that thing. I ask you, Holy Spirit, heal my heart. Allow my faith to, be ri- to rise up and be made strong again. Stir up the hunger, sorry, stir up my hunger for your word. In your word are contained your promises and life. In Jesus' name, I align myself with your truth. As an act of my will, all darkness, that's try to come between the layers of my soul. In Jesus' name, get out. And in your place, I speak light and life and the love of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. All right, sit down. So the one time I'm just going to, I'm going to now teach you about how to, when, about how to recognize when that familiar spirit, because it's a familiar spirit, tries to come at you and speak in your ear again and plant those thoughts again. So about, goodness, five years ago, we were in a house and I got sick for like two or three weeks. It wasn't, I mean, it was a bad cold, but it just lingered and lingered and lingered. It was terrible. So the one night I'm lying in bed, my husband comes in as he always does when I'm sick. And he um, starts praying the word over me, speaking the word over me, and having me confess the word of myself. And that night, I was in such a mopey mood, had a good old pity party by myself, and didn't want him anywhere near me. And he walked in, and he sat down next to my bed, and he started, and I heard this thing come up out of my mouth, because as a man thinketh, so is he, right? And I heard this thing come out of my mouth, and it said, what's the point? It's not going to work anyway. And, it, and in that moment, I was like, Holy Spirit said to me, that's a manifested spirit of unbelief. You have to be cognizant of what comes out of your mouth, because as a man thinketh, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth when you know what God has spoken to you about a certain promise? And it could be so familiar to me. It could be, well, that happens for other people, but it doesn't happen for me. Or why are things always so difficult for me? Other people seem to have them easier, but for me, it just comes difficult. That's a familiar spirit. Or, yeah, that'll never happen for me. That's a familiar spirit. That's, that's unbelief. And so what I had to do was, you know, whether I felt like it or not, God forgive me, I break agreement. This is a simple process. I do this with my kids on a, whenever they come into funk. I lead them in prayers. I say, I break agreement with strife. We will not permit strife in our household. In Jesus' name, get out of my house. For, for Jesus, deliverance was everyday thing. Why do we make it such a big deal? Okay. Do I need to make you stand up and sit down to wake you up? Just in case you didn't know, that's what I was doing. All right. 
For Jesus, deliverance was an everyday thing. Why do we make it such a big deal? If you're caught up in something that you shouldn't be caught up in, to break agreement with, because the, the wounds of the heart will attract those demonic things that you have now come into agreement with. So you want to break that thing, first of all, forgive yourself, right? Forgive others. Take the blood of Jesus. Cleanse yourself in your mind's eye. Cleanse others. Remember the kingdom. Receive it like a child. And then break agreement. I break agreement. And every time that thing wants to come and take your emotions and go, have you seen a dog with a bone? Like this. He wants to take your emotions. You have to, in your mind's eye, take a step back from yourself and say, all right, even if you say to yourself, this will pass. This intensity of this emotion, it will pass. And in Jesus' name, I break agreement with that spirit. Get, use your authority. Use your authority. In Jesus' name, get out. I break agreement with you. And Father, I thank you that my needs are met in you. All right? But from now on, I want you to keep asking God, what is my inheritance word? Father, what is my inheritance word? What promises have you given to me and my family? What things are you wanting to bring into my manifested atmosphere in this season? And when you're having a difficulty not seeing it come to pass, start proclaiming over it, 1111. Because contained within the promise is the very power to bring it into your atmosphere. All right. So just say in the name of Jesus. Stand up, please, actually. Stand up, everybody. Stand up, sit down, everybody. All right. In the name of Jesus, I speak 1111 into my circumstances. I speak 1111 into my household. I speak 1111 over my heart and over my life. I will move by grace through faith from toil and sweat into a place where it is rained on by heaven that sees it come to pass. Father, I receive the rain of your presence that brings me into my inheritance. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, everybody sit down, please. Does anybody have a testimony of what I'm talking about? It's got to be short. We have five minutes. And I am the mic Nazi. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Any takers, any takers? All right, does anybody have any testimonies, period? Come, come, come. We have like three minutes. Can you do it in three minutes? All right. Good job. So I'm fairly new here. I see 1111 everywhere. Glory, glory. glory. This is Lori. 
I, <laughs> I see 1111 everywhere, everywhere I go. Uh -huh. But anyway, this is very short. Oh, financially, we were having a little bit. I'm, I'm being very frugal with our finances. And uh, we kind of wanted to go out to lunch. And I'm like, should we? I don't know if we should. We should like. Well, anyway, we did go out to lunch. I said, okay, and God, I'm going to trust in you. I know the word. I know what you're saying. You're going to bless us. We go to lunch. My card wouldn't work. My card works everywhere. They, I swiped it. It wouldn't take it. She goes, do you have another card? And the guy, two people behind me said, I'm paying for your lunch. So Praise that's God. a little testimony. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, have you asked Holy Spirit that if you are able to, do you pay for other people's meals? When you're in Starbucks, do you, when you're in the grocery store, when you're in Walmart, do you avail yourself if you, you know, if it's, if you can, do you avail yourself to hear that? I would encourage you to do that. Um, unfortunately, my children do it for me. And I have visitors that come to my house, and the next thing I see, my food walking out the door, my stuff. I mean, I've really had to speak to one of my children because he is perpetually giving my stuff away. The neighbor came over, and he gave, we had this huge box of batteries. Batteries are, I mean, I'm talking big box of batteries, and out went the batteries. And I was like, hey, bring back my batteries. <laughs> and my middle son was, well, Sam said I could have them. And I'm like, Samuel. You cannot, I said, do you want to go give me the money so that you can pay for these batteries? No, mom. I said, stop giving away my stuff. If you want to give away, go give away your own stuff. So now he's a little bit more, little less lenient. But the point is, it's like, are we able to give away our father's stuff? We need to be free to do that. All right. Father, I just bless these people, and I just thank you for your protection and your love for them. And Lord, I ask you that you would bring them into just such a deeper experiential relationship with you, Lord, where your manifested presence is a part of their everyday life. God, I ask you to stir up hunger for your word because faith comes from hearing the word of God. And Father, I pray for hope, hope, hope in Jesus' name. Bless them and bless this week, and thank you that they walk in their kingdom assignments. Steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody wants prayer, prayer team, can you come up, please? You may be dismissed. <laughs>